the Dukes of Hazard, dress up in drag, will not be seen. In order that we may bring you the following program. Previously, I'm giving the mic to the wrong person. Stephen King even talked about this in some of his more like lampshady bits in his 80s novels about the lie that, um, you know, for genre, inter- you know, horror sci-fi genre entertainment for most of the 20th century as it was being developed, you always had people freaking out and not, you know, not acting human yeah. doing this stuff, whereas at some point... Um, it's like someone in a horror movie that just does everything that someone in a horror movie does. And right. it's not what you would normally do. And so it's like, it's, it's it's existing within the trappings of the genre without having any kind of basis in reality. We just we just accept that is the way that a, a person acts in that situation. Right. It's it's people, it's plot, you know, uh, plot-driven characters rather than, I don't know what, character-driven? Yeah, character-driven, yeah. Yeah, I but it's kind of like, yeah, it's like people, it's... Thank it's you, kind of, Aristotle. Yeah. <laughs> and <Yep>. with that... <laughs> yeah. And now for the exciting conclusion to our episode. Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon, who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. And then coming back in, let's talk about Buffy some more, the show, if... Because at some point, it was also because the show becoming popular when it did when you have like a uh, just this explosion of online writing and yeah um embryonic blogging mm-hmm. like what happened was going on the internet at the same time yeah yes. it was lauded as as being very feminist and that was kind of how we we got his career basically is like you know you're mm-hmm. a, you're a man writing female-centered and stories and you know he's perpetuated that over the years i'm a huge fan of his work but i'm also a very very strong critic of mm-hmm. his stuff especially now um recently the wonder woman script that he wrote in 2003 leaked and it became the laughing stock of the internet so um i won't go into that but let's just say that he he has a you know he's he, i watched all seven seasons of buffy recently mm-hmm. and by the end it, it kind of is one of those things where you wish it would have died sooner yeah um but the show itself and the way that it, the characters interacted with each other and they did a lot of stuff that was groundbreaking at mm-hmm. the time. Like, I think you guys could speak to that a lot more than I could because I was, you know, uh, in junior high. Yeah, it was new. No, it was new. But also, I think for me, the... Because uh, my my thing of uh, just the use of genre entertainment just for metaphor, because people... In fact, people were talking about how like, there was the one show where um, the subtext was so blatant. Well, knocked over there. The subtext was so blatant; it wasn't. It was barely even sub anymore. It almost being just like purely text. It was pure text, yeah. Of um, you know, of like you know, her stuff going through is like you know, here being a teen girl growing up and having to go through these things, but in the form, you know, taking the form of what almost allegorical. This this this, this form of like you know these you know monsters monsters as representing. Hey, all of a sudden, you know, what happens if, when your boyfriend sleeps with you and then becomes a monster? Yeah, he loses his soul because he sleeps with you. Yeah. And then he ends up, you know, torturing you and, and killing people that you know, and you know, that kind of thing. Like, uh, But it's also sort of like it's supposed to be like an allegory for like how relationships work and how 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 those foibles can show up, like whether, you know, what kind of what kind of things are abuse and not, you know. And yeah, he went a little far with that, I would say. Um, so I'm I'm. Especially with when you get to the later seasons with Spike, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the ending oh, yeah. of that. Well, not the yeah. not the end of it. it was like, but 
uh, similar with Twin Peaks of like how there was almost a necessary humanization humaniza- humanization yeah. of characters because you can't have. Um, if they're going to be on for like four seasons, you're going to eventually find their humanity in them. Yeah, Even though they start like, out the villain, you become not the villain. Or know? or it changes. Yeah, it's like people. You know, it's like hu- real people aren't static. Exactly. Um, even in Twin Peaks, Albert, played by uh, Miguel Ferrer, had a, had had a like a more had a, a, a humanizing arc. While I will admit to a certain cynicism, the fact is that I'm a naysayer and hatchet man in the fight against violence. I pride myself in taking a punch, and I'll gladly take another because I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King. My concerns are global. I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truman. Albert's path is a strange and difficult one. Where he wasn't quite the prickly bastard that he was originally, and he even he came around to uh, came around to enjoying what Twin Peaks was, and how in you know he had that spiritual journey and enjoying right. the coffee and the Doug Furs. In, yeah, indeed. Um, mm-hmm. But also with, uh, I still think one of the one of the God, this would have been like a mid-season thing, but it was just like where just a pure, I don't know. Pure character-based yet not dialogue-based scene of comedy was just when I think there was the, there was the shot of at home where Spike is at Spike is at Buffy's home. They're just she's he's just sitting at the table with Buffy's mom and they're not saying anything. So it's just a shot of the two of them sitting at this table, slightly uncomfortable, just kind of like waiting. Yeah, and, it's, and, it's, and it holds on the shot just a little bit too long, and it just becomes hilarious. Yeah, because her mom's a straight man, and the entire, and the entire you know. Well, not the entire show, but most of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays the straight one where, you know, she just accepts Buffy as a slayer. She doesn't give her crap for staying out late or doing anything like that. She just has to live with it. And then, you know, there's a ridiculous episode. She's tr- whenever she tries to date people, that's when you bring in the man that's not Buffy's dad that's going to cause problems. There's a really awful episode with John Ritter. It's beautiful. It's a it's a it's a it's a train wreck, and it is wonderful. Um, it, it, I will it, not even make it to go. Oh yeah, it, oh, I gotta it, watch that. One. Well, then it, it turns into Lost Boys. It's so bad. Where you know, yeah, we yeah. have divorced divorced mom. In, Don't go out and date mom because you're just gonna find a vampire or a sci actually a robot or whatever. You know? <laughs> some yeah, some uncanny good in, out there. Some no. uncanny inhuman thing. You know, like I said, foreign um, foreign threats to family. In previous relationship, only the threat, you know, but it, 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 um, the, the threat is manifest, is what manifested? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's a term, okay, I, I don't know, my, my lexicon is failing on me. I need more beer. Um, <laughs> it, it basically is like it's taking that, it's taking that situation and it's dramatizing it within the, within the, um, universe of that show. So in this context, you know, it, I mean, Buffy gets really weird. There's, you know, they have all these life model decoy robots some, at one point where it's like, this is just like the lowest of the low writing trope, you know, like in sci-fi, right? Yeah, hey, hey, we, 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 we made yeah, a robot version of somebody. Yeah, yeah, we grew up watching Stepford Wives and we want to bring that into our show. So, Well, you know, but when you when you think about it, um, how a show like, uh, you know, 90210 would tell a similar type of story yeah. of a single mom, 
you know, dating somebody, it's, it's, that's an, that's an opportunity to tell a story. And it yeah. might be actually a really similar story that this is somebody that we don't know and we don't understand. It's this the is the outsider story. that yeah. has been brought in. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, and teen dramas allow for a lot of opportunities to do that. Oh, always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause if you don't trust them and then you have to gain their trust and maybe when you gain your trust, it turns out that they're not worth your trust. Right. It's, it's in, depending on the, the genre level of a show, it's like when, uh, human monsters are also literal monsters. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think if there's anything else. If there's any, if there was anything. I think like, one of the things Buffy? that thing that's kind of fun about Buffy that you see in all of the most of the other teen shows, whether or not they're they have a supernatural bent or not, is the gang. Yeah, yeah. They let's talk about like the, the gang. The gang. Yeah. yeah, like you know, there's the different roles that are in there. Like so, yeah. you've got the wise teacher. That's Giles, the right? mentor figure, the, the mentor. Yeah. The mentor. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the guy that previously fell in love with you when you first came to the school, but is now your best friend. Oh yes, there's always the person who was Xander's in love with character, you, basically, yeah. who's your best friend. Um, and he's he's kind of a straight man in terms of he doesn't get he never gets any supernatural abilities, right? Yep, he's the straight man throughout the entire show, and he goes into a blue collar work, and he kind of just deals with everything. He gets downloaded the brain of a soldier like i think season four season five and so he has all this tactical knowledge now which is oh, ridiculous well that's convenient yeah very convenient <laughs> but he's still the everyman okay and then willow is kind of like the, nerd. the, the okay she's but then the she's nerd. also the witch best friend so the witch best friend is a huge right. trope we know that well um um but you know she's about how somebody can go from being socially awkward and isolated to being more confident in themselves but then the pitfalls because they that have these that. special powers yeah um yeah you, when you said that we know about that um i'm thinking you're th- you're talking about vampire diaries yeah, bonnie because, um, bonnie is the also the witch best friend yeah. of elena and she's my best i think she's my favorite character just because she kind of she kind of deals with things a lot more maturely than anybody else on the show yeah mm-hmm. and i'm trying to think of like you know, there are sort of equivalents to these characters in, like, again, every single modern teen 90210 yeah. or even like Gossip Girl. Are you guys familiar with Gossip Girl? Is with the, not so much. Not okay, my not era. Really. Or yeah. Gilmore Girls. If you're out on the road, Gilmore Girls doesn't quite fit. A lot of people want to say that Gilmore Girls is different than a teen drama. That um, it's a mom and teen drama. It's it's a mom and teen drama, but it still has a lot of the same. You know, it's got the True. wacky yep. background characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got. Uh, I mean, it's a very it's a it's a smaller group. The group isn't as big. Like the mom kind of takes up a lot of the. Yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of insularity is good, right? Yeah, yeah, but um, let's see. Okay, you know, just going back to nine hundred two one zero. So you have. Um, so what characters have we talked about? We have the wise parents, you know, so they're the, they're kind of the mentors and the guy, the peach pit. <laughs> oh yeah. The guy who owns the peach pit is also the wise, uh, mentor, uh, you know, for kids when kids can't take things to their parents, they might yeah. go talk to Nat or Nate or whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh-huh. A trusted adult. Yeah. The trusted adult. Like your principal. The cool or, adult though. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Like Giles is a rocker in the, you know, in, in, in Britain and he, he's kind of punk rock. Like yeah. underneath all that, like you know librarian aesthetic yeah yeah that's true yeah and, and, and a sorcerer so you have yeah you have the person that's kind of badass it's, this represents what your parents aren't you can talk to them they're objective but they're also they might not give you the best advice but they'll always give you advice yeah and with, like with 90210 they had like a they didn't really have really one central character i mean i guess the walsh family was kind of like this the central characters they yeah were early on definitely weren't you know um to that but they have um like the you know I guess uh, Luke, um, what's his name? Um, Dylan mm-hmm. is like Brandon's um, 
he's kind of like the outcast best friend who... the best friend that's not cool with anybody else yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you know these tropes really well better than i do that's okay it's it's, it's easy <laughs> skins made it easy for me that's that's the one i always draw back to but you'll because it has a, it has equal amounts of men and women which sometimes doesn't always happen uh-huh yeah i mean that's that actually is a staple of teen drama that's a little bit more interesting too is that you usually have both sexes pretty re- represented yeah. pretty pretty well yeah yeah, one of the things I, I tell my kids over and over again when they try to get me to watch a new show, um, and it was one of the reasons I don't like the show Supernatural, is yeah, that there's too. no strong female lead. And, I'm like, and, and they, why it, would I yeah. care? Yeah. I don't care about them. I'm so with you on that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so teen dramas do usually, like, I think when I was reading TV Tropes, they have uh, an entry in there that's like, how to write, so you want to write a teen drama? Yeah. <laughs> and they talk about, like, you need to have, you know, the group of friends. It needs to have, you know, basically the same number of boys and girls. There's uh, often modern ones, you know, now you have the gay character. And yeah. then you have, to, you go with racial diversity, at least one character that's racially diverse. Um, it should be more than one, but I, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's what that's pretty normal. That's that's how it, how it's been. But you know, if only. Well, that's why you need like you have you need two non-white characters, so the the single white character can't be is not is not doesn't make it is not as blatantly tokenistic on the part right. of the uh, usual right screenwriters. Here's a mind blowing yeah. idea: Why don't you have a person of color be the main character in your teen drama? Yeah, and not have the whole <laughs> teen drama be centered on that person's. You know, like I mean, yeah, you can do it on racial identity, but you know, maybe you know just imagine stories that are just, just the same story right exactly yeah. that just has a person of color has yeah. a, a black female lead or a black male lead or hispanic latino yeah. you know absolutely somebody. yeah the the, the 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 talk about representation is really important i think because i think once you go back and watch stuff like buffy and you see kind of how it was again like things that people aren't were, were kind of uncomfortable with i guess maybe yeah but like sex and drugs and and you know or things that they can or even like how homosexuality was considered sensational like you could right. show it on primetime television it was a very because special episode. it's only associated with sex when it's not associated with human relationships which are you know that is what it is uh like you can kind of see how that that status quo is maintained throughout these shows especially in the 90s where it's yeah it's all it's all white people problems and not very even really good white people problems just right. like problems of being too rich and not having anything to do you know okay. yeah. uh, white folk upper middle class um mm-hmm. upper middle class white screenwriters living in you know living in uh the, the suburbs of los angeles problems yeah, yeah. but th- that's the thing i mean we can even you can i mean God, you can get like an entire like series out of just talking about the role of like the role of like you know of like of how sex happens on on the changing role of sex because it's a it's culturally informed well, in american teen dramas because it's i remember yeah. when i um there's a book about this because it was writing about a book called generation x which i've referred to about it came out it came out, originally it was a parody, <laughs> like ech like ugh. yeah ech yeah like, like the mad magazine x generation x cause it, oh, it came out in like 94 a deli- as a deliberate kind of like pissed well not just not just a piss take but also a response i think i have i have it here somewhere a response and also um, kind of as an accompanying tome to like all of those like fast sofa or like you know the, one of the like the, the first wave of Gen X books really came out like here here's this new like you know here's this new. Uh, this new generation that you can you know with cert with we're going to start giving generations labels yeah with yeah uh, and maybe really market, really congratulatory about it yeah and but and also that you can that you can target market mm-hmm. um, but one of the things they they mentioned in the book about the TV shows is that the difference between say nine hundred two one zero and Melrose Place is that nine hundred two one zero was was 
was high school set. Mm-hmm. Melrose Place was was with graduates or people who weren't high weren't teenagers, which means that any time any realistic teenager, you know, whenever they got to fucking on nine oh two one oh, it was a big problem. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Melrose Place, because you were in like this, you were in this. Um, like you know, they were you know they weren't teenagers. They, they could they, yeah, they could fuck and fuck and fuck and fuck and fuck, and you did not need to have like extra you know very special episodes about like abortion oh, or yeah. or birth control or anything like that exactly screw it. Similarly with like Buffy, you had which took a lot of, you know had the benefit of like the you know genre metaphor where you know she could go for because she went from high school all of a sudden you know she be, she was no longer a minor anymore which means yeah. you know like i said they had the, the entire episode with her and her and her like a blonde meathead friend where like due to like a spell or something they were just they were effectively like captured because they were just like in 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 her dorm wall you know just you know 24 7 all day and oh because yeah of, and they got taken over by some like what is it called sex pollen like that's a trope <laughs> yeah. uh you can you can have like the need insatiable need to have sex like constantly and it's it's yeah it's a really funny writing trope anyway sorry so are you saying after buffy after she graduated from high school then she could go out and have sex all the time yes yeah and it, it, it it's not just within the context of the text now but it's also within the context of the actors ages which mm-hmm. is even worse i think because like they did that on game of thrones they waited until Sophie was old enough to have her be the subject of a sexual assault. And, you know, it's like, oh, God, you know, right. waiting for them to be old enough for that. Great. Yeah. Fuck you. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah I have it's, strong it's, feelings about that. It's also. Yeah. It's also the thing of like, yeah, you're actually old enough because of it's almost like you get into like, like statutory reasons. Like you can't you can't have a minor character, a minor, a, a minor actor. Mm-hmm. In a sexual situation, because that's because of, uh, I don't know what the fetishization of a camera like that because that yes, posits the them, of the camera. Yeah. yeah, that posits them as sexual being um, in a you know in a in an age range where that's not allowed. Yes, with you know well check that that is not allowed from the majority of the audience who is of a you know who is of majority age mm-hmm. who are who are the main who are you know the main aver- the the advertisers the the showrunners. Uh, you know, the, the, the half the casting crew, with the exception of maybe part of the audience, <laughs> mm-hmm. and certainly all of the TV writers. Yeah, because I think part of it is like we understand, and, and, and um, the piece that Matt Crispin wrote about kind of like how the idea of prestige TV came out in an issue of Current Affairs in, uh, within the last couple of months. How the the idea of prestige TV, a lot of it turns kind of hardened into because the tropes have calcified into things that ape what they did on Sopranos or The Wire or mm-hmm. even Deadwood were now to be considered serious prestige TV you need to have certain tropes where it needs to be like a very violent you need, you need yeah. to dress up your titillate your yeah. titillation there's got to be a lot of gratuitous sex a lot of gratuitous violence right to you know shock right but you know but you, but it presented very po-faced very serious because you now have an entire like the the main way you advertise your show is because like you know the internet the internet destroys everything. The main way you advertise your show is through, because you have an, uh, is it through legions of like fans. Yeah. Uh, well, not just fans, TV bloggers. Oh, TV bloggers, people, yeah. People who cover the stuff. Like you need to have like the AV, like the AV Club will do like mm-hmm. immediate, AV Club They're Vulture. The real problem. Yeah, well, the, you have the entire thing of like uh, legions of podcasts that do episode by episodes or like YouTube stuff or even like you know people in print media writing the or print print serious print and online media now. Um, it's like 
Yeah, like in Bad Decisions I did last year, I was listening to all of those Westworld po- podcasts. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. But it's, 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 it's a thing where at some point it can't just be entertainment it has to be capital s capital e serious entertainment yeah. so you know you need to have a, a, a coherent theme because it's like the it's a thing where there's a, there's a feedback loop going where the showrunners are constructing the ser- are constructing uh, the series to appeal to the um the tv journals mm-hmm. and and certain ways of how they write rather than whether it feeds into the actual show or not yeah and um, on on that note, I think we should pr- we should probably bridge into unless there's any other shows you want to talk about. We should uh, we should probably bri- bridge into Riverdale at some point because it's, right now it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. In in terms of like I said, I uh, <laughs> I I know Riverdale mainly through uh, uh, hot takes and <laughs> having watched finally having finally finished the pilot earlier today and. Um, it's at some point it's like you know it's like goddamn I know it's a pilot but man is that is that thing really it's like everything is every aspect is so not fine tuned but it's so it's more like over amplified it's so very arch like yeah. you can't just have like witty Joss Whedon characters they need to be um sim- you know it, it's like they need it, uh much like how Red Letter Media described the Star Trek reboot, it couldn't just be a good Star Trek movie. Everything had to be hypercharged. Like you need, like all the care, you know, ninety percent more lens flare. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, because that whole opening sequence and how everybody is perfectly makeuped and like their hair is perfectly. Well, cool. but that's part of it, right? Yeah. that's the part of the visual thing with River it. with Riverdale, and I and I saw this with Grimm too. Like, yeah, and um, you know what it looks like is essential to the core of what it is because it's a comic book. Yeah. And, you know, Grimm was one of those, like, you know, when I was a kid and you'd read the fairy tale books and you'd open them and there'd be all these, like, rich, dark, deep greens and Mm -hmm. reds, hues that were the images. I think Riverdale is, like, trying to, they're going the extra mile of making it look like a comic book. Making, you know, so, like, they didn't do that in 90210. They just made it look like everybody, you know, everyday stuff. The the model they were following was a different, had had different visual tropes, a different visual style. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in Riverdale, they, you know, they imbue all of this rich imagery like where you have like the people with the perfect skin and it's, the it's bright red universe hair. of cartoon people yeah sort of like living in pleasantville but it brings in luke perry yeah <laughs> which i love i love it when when you have people hop from universe to universe and i know they had to have done that on purpose because right. luke perry was in 90210 and now here he is in riverdale imagine imagine yeah is, you know was in uh twin peaks now here she is in riverdale mm-hmm. she was in an awesome witch one too that was freaking awesome oh i haven't do we want to give a witches of east end oh yeah wait that was a series wasn't it was that what was it the movie was it called the witch that the witches of east wick was the um, witches of east end is a show is a show i need to watch okay east wick was it was in a film from 87 which i think Hmm? george miller directed from uh from uh from mad max and i think but east end was the uh was like the tv series yeah series later but do we want to give like a, a, a a slug line pitch of i mean no one listening to this doesn't know what Riverdale is, but we want to give at least what for the, sure what the so, what the take uh, what yeah. the modern take of the of the series is. Yeah, get, do you want to since you watched it this morning? Why don't you talk about it? No. <laughs> I wanted to I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to amplify female voices and do less work. Um, <laughs> well, I I mean I I pretty much watched it I think drunk, but um, <laughs> I, I, I might have been I, stoned. Yeah, I, well, it's usually <laughs> one or the other or both. Um, so. Um, 
So, okay, so it starts off with, um, so Archie is, you know, the main character. And Archie is a musician. Was he a musician in the comic books? No, no, they, they, no, no. So he's a sensitive musician. Post Dawson's Creek Archie. And, <laughs> and Betty is his best friend. Like, in, in the series, yeah. Betty is Archie's best friend. Mm-hmm. and um, She's the one who's been friend-zoned, yeah. Yeah, which is really <laughs> odd. Oh, it's um, a, like a male power fantasy right there. And <laughs> there's been a murder Sorry. in Riverdale. She's dead. Wrapped in plastic. Which is really for jarring for everybody who like used to watch, you know, read Archie comics because they came from the grocery store and your mama let you buy them because it wasn't one of those scary, weird ones. Yeah. Um, You know, it was like, what? Riverdale starts off with a murder. But so it starts off with a murder. Some guy with orange hair has been murdered. Wrapped in plastic. (laughs) Wrapped in plastic. Well, it's basically, it's very Twin Peaksy. Yeah, cherry, the, cherry, and Jason Blossom, right? Right. Okay. There's yeah. the Blossom. Family. It's a Blossom family, and they're yeah. so perfect, and they look just like each other. And yeah. Extremely ginger, like mm-hmm. weirdly, almost like ancestrally ginger. Yeah. yeah. And then they have this like like this really super pale skin, so they're they're like all, all of the colors in it are amplified. Like they've turned up the setting. Like the I Instagram think the filter. direction is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah the, it the, is. The, yeah. The, it's the, on purpose. The saturation. They 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 just you know saturate. They you know the saturation yeah. filter. The, you know plus twenty five percent through. Photoshop and like, yeah, let's run that a couple times. It's like watching it on, it's like it's been put, the whole thing's been put through an Instagram filter. Yeah. Um, but then Veronica is new in town and, um, right, right, that's her name? Yes. Betty and Veronica? Yeah. So Veronica is new in town and Veronica's mom has just divorced Veronica's dad. And they're super rich. And they're super rich. Well, they were super rich. They were super rich. Um, and uh, Veronica's mom grew up in Riverdale and they're coming back to Riverdale mm-hmm. and uh, Archie's dad is played by Luke Perry which is just so awesome and he's like you know just kind of like a hard scrabble guy like working man he has a construction company and um, okay so like yeah so the plot is that uh the they found the body and they're trying to solve the murder mystery so basically you've got Twin Peaks mixed with the Archie comic books yep Turned up through an Instagram filter, right? Yeah, I, I love that analogy. Yeah, I think it's, it's in the casting. I think it was in the casting of like they're really tipping their hand of like, yeah, we want Twin Peaks in nine hundred two one zero because hey, we are casting right. both Luke Perry as the main character's dad and Magic Amic, Magic Amic, Mad Chin Amic, thank you, mm-hmm. as one of the main uh, as the mother of the main character. Is she and Betty's, Betty's Skeet mom. Ulrich. She's Betty. Yeah. Betty's mom. Betty's yeah, mom. yeah, and she's kind of mean, kind of bitchy. Oh yeah. Yeah, real bitchy. Real Skeet bitchy. Rolled, Skeet Ulrich was in. He was in Scream, wasn't he? Yes, he okay, was. So we have that was so, a teen. That was a teen favorite of my my age cohort was him. Because I mean, Saved by the Bell. Is that Saved by the Bell? No. No, later. Like, Saved by the Bell would have been like even before I was a teenager. Skeet Ulrich was like the Scream films. Oh. He was a yeah, yeah Scream the, films. The, but oh, also, Screech yeah. is from Saved by the Bell. Yes. He wasn't. Wait, no, he was in something that was a teenage show. I can't. I'll just have to remember it later. It, it's, it, anyway. More than likely, yes. Yeah. The actors get around. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, I think the other thing, but the, the this what should be noted is that this series, uh, uh, this series comes after the success, almost the rebirth, the the rebirth, and also re- success of all the revisionist Archie comics of the last five six years yep. of like you know after you have you have where like art you know Archie goes into hard hard 
horror or like you know not only uh, you know, not only does he get a, a new gay best friend but it goes into the future and like what happens when like Archie you know is like one either like one of his friends you know runs for president and Archie you know get gets shot protecting him wait are you saying that somebody wrote a whole bunch of Archie comics where all those things happen? yeah they're, they're new syndication oh I had no idea as um like yeah that's their new model they bring in different artists and writers within certain and they can do whatever kind of genre take they want to do so on oh, it. so it's like Archie and zombies or Archie and oh I had no idea I have to yeah. look more into this but it, it's yeah it is it is uh, it's teenage characters well like taking like, like I said it's genre taking genre tropes these genre tropes of Archie comics but um, inserting them in these different realities into into, yeah. into into like there are some like that are full-on like um like what happens if you teach if more like a serious like teenager thing so it's it's archie where you have archie characters but not in the like sterile like neutered Ar- yeah you know, right archie okay. thing. it's archie alternative universe fan fiction basically right is how i see it it's it, yeah it's just it's kind of like um because everybody knows the characters and you don't have to rewrite them yeah yeah there you go, and and that's not not that it's not all just you know deliberately like dark. Like where it's Archie, but he's dark and gritty. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of just they they figured like let's just try something new, which technically is there some dark and gritty. Just like but you have um, where at one point where there's a there's a there's a zombie breakout in the Archie Archie universe. Yeah. But they also have Sabrina the Teenage Witch, who is a full on. Oh, she's a character in that universe, right? Yeah. Yeah. In Archie, mm-hmm. Sabrina. Yeah, Sabrina characters are much more like are like like a vertical horror comic book where like her like all of her aunts really are like full on witch you know like mm-hmm. like paganistic druidic ceremonies you know naked ceremonies in the woods um, witches mm-hmm. and like how she uh, kind of you know she's you know a seventeen year old with like this uh, with with a Patty Duke haircut. <laughs> Um, or I should say with like a Haley Mills haircut, like a mid sixties teenager haircut, mm-hmm. you know, in, in early 20th century, uh, early 21st century America. That's great. So like you have, and the, there's the, there are several of these series that were really very successful. I think because of that, because mm-hmm. it also, because, Hey, everybody loves reboots. Why the hell not? You know, taking existing IP and hypercharging it and sexing it up for uh, for a new generation. Yeah, and then you have that pre-existing content that goes back way when, right? I mean, that's the appeal of the comic book franchises now. You can go back and you can see a comic of Wonder Woman that was made in the 40s, and, you know, that's different, right? Um, so I think that is part of the appeal of these reboots and rebakes, but you're also cherry-picking, like, the cool parts of it, too, I think. And I think that's what I liked about the Riverdale stuff was it felt like it kind of it 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 rests on the tropes that you're aware of, but it tries to subvert them in some ways. Hmm. I think and I think sometimes the way it, the way it subverts and lampshades certain things, yeah, the way that it the way that it subverts them, at some point it like I said, this is only going off of the pilot, and mm-hmm. the pilot is is you know with enough caveats, you know, kind of a not the best uh, indicator of a series. Nope. Or at least the well, the pilot or the premiere, but everything is so sharply drawn and so arch, mm-hmm. pun not intended. <laughs> that of um, like you know, lampshading a lot of things. Like at some point, you know, watching the watching the pilot, there was a sense of like, okay, who is this for? Yeah, because there's there's a very because we talked you know, as you brought up in the beginning, like why do you know why do like non teenagers watch teen drama? Yeah. And there is a shitload. 
it is very it, of a material. There's a um, there's a very I got a very palpable sense that the writers are really are deliberately constructing this for the modern like. Um, I mean, yeah, the show is. I think was it was the it the modern fan and the modern not younger just, woman. Yeah, not just that, but also immediately to the the modern media landscape where they where you have like again you have this entire you know this legion of TV writers writing about TV as if you know we, we are in the, we are in the golden age of television and this yeah. is a very serious thing. So they're like they're they're shoveling bits on this on, and at some point it is taking aspects of like titillization titillation into this thing where it's like not in titillation but also the hyper hypercharging now he can't just be archie he's got to be art you know like cut archie who like he you know who's musician, sensitive, sensitive cut musician archie. Yeah, cut archie yeah cut archie who is who, who is fucking, i believe he takes his shirt off very quickly oh, oh yeah, yeah he's is he the fucking his yeah fucking his music his teacher. his music teacher you know what? also archie by, would never yeah, do that yeah oh yeah i remember that now yeah uh and uh, block that out. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but this is what I'm getting from what you're saying is that um, they're they're trying to layer on so much complexity mm. in the show because, yeah. like, not only does it have to be visually stunning and the characters have to be all complex and it has to have all these things so that all of the um, media can immediately jump on it and have something to say. Mm-hmm. Right. Like one of the things I, I like about teen dramas is they basically are really they they're they're start off really straightforward. And they're simple. They're 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 not. They don't get crazy complex. And I joke with my son that I watch a lot of these with all the time. That like I have to have him with me because if they take a turn down the supernatural or whatever, I don't know what's happening. I have to have him explain everything that's going on. Be- oh. But like when it's like you know Gilmore Girls or Gossip Girl or Nine Hundred Two One Zero, it's like the relationships make sense what they're doing makes sense everyone's not like conspiring and or yeah. if they are it's like a really important thing and they really draw it out for you yeah but i feel like the more modern ones and now i'm like the old man yelling at the cloud but i feel like the more modern ones they just try to do everything all at once for everybody for every to hit as many possible bloggers oh, who yeah. concentrate to comment yeah. on yeah. as possible yeah. you're right like you were saying who's it for like yeah, yeah like all, you all should be able to watch it and go off for quarter all four quadrants as it were yeah and, you, and something can be written like for a specific audience and still be, be appealing to a larger audience but exactly. i don't think they know who their audience is yeah right. and i think it's and it's not so much yeah it's well i think the um sophistication is kind of sophisticated is a good entry point because of the the difference between um between being sophisticated versus being um overly complex and um byzantine and like just in you know with a lot of forced seriousness it's because like you watch the pilot there's they're setting up so, like i said jesus christ they're you know the number of like wow, these guys watch the 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 premiere of Twin Peaks again and again and again because you can't just have like murder. You know, you have the murder mystery of the of the popular high school teen who was it turns out was probably involved in a lot more uh, a lot more nefarious things. Yeah. This is as you know as you get new characters moving to town, um, but you but you also see like all of the treacherous white people shit that is going on that all the adults have like their own little like you know their own little like. Uh, crisscross soap opera, soap yeah. opery, 
Um, Every small town in America has a seedy underbelly. Yeah. yeah. There is always corruption. But even then, it was pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much, you could pretty much draw a line between all the characters and how they were affecting each other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Rather than having, like, concurrent stories running on that hopefully you're crossing your fingers someday that they're all going to overlap. And if, the, in you know, and if you don't get it, you have to have your 18-year-old son sitting yeah. next to you explain what yeah. just happened. Right, yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you, you need, to, yeah, you need, watching the show with, uh, like I said, the modern experience of watching oh, the show with the, with, with, a, with a tablet open to the week, to the, to a, a fan wiki that reminds me of watching true detective season two where never did don't I barely um, have, yeah. I again i'm, a, those, I'm yeah. a glutton for self-punishment <laughs> um but yeah watching it and trying to translate what was happening to my significant other who was like i just don't even care anymore yeah within the second episode and i was like yep sometimes they just they they, they, they just hard. get so complex and i think you know at least um in some of the shows that i watch um they don't they don't try to lie because they think that their audience are, are the, you know, I'm doing little bunny ears, like, you know, simple a, teenagers, a, yeah. like straightforward a, a, teenagers. They don't need to make it really complex. And guess what? That's really good writing. That is yeah. good writing. Like, actually. There's really good storytelling in a lot of these in a lot of these things because they're not they don't have a whole bunch of layers of, of other stuff. They just tell story it's straightforward it might be a story we've already heard it's you know like like you're Usually talking is, about the it's actually kind of nice because they're all it's like comfortable right being, yeah they're yeah. all just stories i think being retold. you have a perfect point there it's it's the story that's being retold but i think if you trust your audience to fill in the gaps and you don't have to come out and try to explain everything i think that is a sign of good writing um when you don't require an explanation for every single thing or or some kind of machination by other characters being responsible for it um and having those interpersonal relationships just be the most important part, that dialogue and that connection of different human beings. I think you're right. I think the interpersonal part is really, really important because then when they when they introduce like demons or, you know, hunters or whatever, yep. it gets it, it, it goes it, it has the chance to uh, go off the rails. Like I've been watching uh, Teen Wolf is the, the one that I'm just about ready to finish up. Yeah. And the first couple seasons were really straightforward because it was this kid who got bit by a werewolf who's trying to figure out what does this mean and how do I, you know, exist in my friend group and in my yeah. school with my mom or whatever. And then every once in a while there would be like a storyline. Oh, there would be a monster. Oh, I can. I'm a werewolf now. I can take care of the monster and I can save the I can save the community from the monster. Yeah, uh-huh. my my, outs, my newly outsider status now confers a boon onto me. Exactly. That, that comes that can come into play at, uh, in, in a clinch. And now I can help people in a new way that I couldn't. I can help my family, I can help my friends. But then they always they seem to so many of these especially the supernatural ones fall into this trap of having to like have a multi um, episode arc and then mm-hmm. the multi-episode arc becomes a season long arc and then it just becomes so confusing and they're like fighting all these things it's like just just keep it simple it's fine keep to be it simple. simple you it's can totally have a monster fine. of the week you can do that it's okay I you love don't. a monster of the week you don't have to make everything a big arc you know overarching nefarious master plan right yeah, well, yeah. The, yeah at some point it, I think that's again it becomes almost the insecurity of the of the show of the showrunners mm-hmm. yeah that they can't you know it can't just be like the, it, they, they, you know, they have to justify. Like we were doing capital S, you know, we're doing we're doing seriousness here, <laughs> serious adult mature work. And but they but they they own the only way that they know how to do that is because um is through the most like um 
third rate second you know th- well second rate third uh third hand received wisdom of like the most tangible aspects to all this stuff like we the show needs to be hyper complicated because mm-hmm. hey you know it's like adults can, you know like all of these you know the Tolstoy novels you know all of these you know 19th century novels they can handle like all of these m- multiple characters doing multiple threads and whatnot so we need you know we that's a sign you know that's serious literature we need you know we need <laughs> we need to somehow gra- graft that aspect onto our show without even examining whether that you know is appropriate or can fit or even is even doable yeah because it's not like war and peace is light reading you yeah know. it's but it's yeah but it's yeah, it's weighty it's it's po-faced it's mm-hmm. fetishizing complication without without being able to without knowing why you want that you would want to have a multi-threaded yeah it doesn't plotline. usually have a moral or ideological interesting thing to say right yeah well, I'm going to use my classics degree here, Go and I'm not going to use it well, so don't ask no. me too many questions, but it kind of goes back to, I was thinking about our, our Aristotle earlier, because we were talking about whether or not your story is plot-driven or character-driven, yeah. but what I see these, stor- these stories do that bring in the um, the big, you know, the multi-series arc or whatever, it's the deus ex machina. Oh, yeah, always. You know, that's always what it is, and it's like, so, you know, in Aristotle, he's like, that's the worst way to end. That's uh, bad writing, guys. Uh, that's the Best, worst way to end a play is by bringing in the god from the sky down from the machine. You know, Deus Ex Machina is the god on the machine. Exactly. It's like you lower the guy from the rafters and he solves all of the problems. But he's like an outsider who comes in to create or solve problems. And that's kind of like what these supernatural shows do that create these long arcs because they aren't they aren't relying on just the characters on the stage mm-hmm. yeah. to be the interesting thing that keeps us watching it. They're bringing in a deus ex machina to um, distract a little to, bit to distract to and, the text and, and make us feel like oh that's you know that's how it's gonna you know it's gonna end but like no we want to know how the characters would end it not how the outside exactly having it you know end up in a big you know battle with the fight we want to know how the characters are gonna right end but that's it. that's harder that you know and that that's hard work and better to rely on the crutch mm-hmm. <laughs> the very easy tropes right um you know, and, and that's the problem of having a, a series that goes on too long. If you don't limit a series without a, like having that editor, you're supernatural. Yeah. We're talking to you, supernatural. And, and supernatural is interesting too because it really is one of those shows that's written directly for the fan base that it has, and has no designs to get more fans. It just wants to write for the people that are watching it, and to the point where it's metatextual in a lot of parts. Forever. Yeah. It wants to write forever. Yeah. And then, cool. You know, if you've got that going for you, that's nice. But I prefer I, I prefer story driven and character driven, like action and stuff, and and. And two, when you get, like, some shows kind of laud themselves as having kind of an interesting story to tell, but typically they diverge into stories that you just don't really want to be part of, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the problem with, like, having that long form. Like, I'm, I, 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 Buffy did it a lot, where they went into places in the story where you're like, I'm not even interested in this. Yeah, I'm in the middle of a seven-episode uh, seven arc, arc about, you know... Like, damn it, I'm three episodes into it. I didn't even notice it was happening, and now... Can I skip like, ahead to the end? Yeah, exactly. Can I just read the... Actually, can I just go on IMDb and read the synopsises and the reviews of this and just get it done and over with? Because yeah. it's... And we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. We read the, read the Wikipedia entry to go, okay, yeah, I got it. I got what I need. So Teen Wolf is an interesting film. I've never actually seen any of it, but I've read a lot about it. Okay. So can you tell me one yep. thing? Does he actually turn into a wolf? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, like a real wolf? Like well, a CGI wolf? 
no, I mean he gets he gets makeup and turns into gets into his werewolf form. Oh, werewolf form. Okay. Yeah, practical, he doesn't practical practical effects. effects. Yeah, there's one. There is one character who will can completely turn into the animal. Like she's she was a were coyote. Oh, nice. Um, and because she was born, uh, I think it's because she was like born of supernatural creatures. Mm-hmm. She actually takes on the form of the animal. But since he was bit by a werewolf and is he just turns was into a human, a werewolf he form. turns into yeah. a werewolf. But yeah, I, I really I was really surprised to find that I really enjoyed Teen Wolf. Yeah. Um, it was a lot better than I thought it was be, partly because it has some really interesting characters. Their character, who's the straight man, is great. He's called Styles. Styles. Yeah, I've read a lot about Styles. He's awesome. He's just, you just root for him. You just want him to do well. You laugh at him. The, Eric, the actor's really good. Yeah, and, I've seen a lot of videos. You know, and up. like, if you know teenagers, like, they're generally, like, really good and they're just trying to figure out life. Like, I personally, like, I raised three teenagers. Yeah. And teenagers are, for the most part, they're just trying to figure out life and they're trying to figure out all the shit that's coming at them all the time while managing hormones and learning how to have jobs and it's learning really how to get their homework time. done. We don't appreciate that. Yeah, no, exactly. how horrible it was. And these dramas, I think, you know, I think the best ones, you know, at least in the beginning of f- first few seasons before they all get too old and then go off to college, I think the, the best dramas do a really good job of just accepting and observing what it's like to be a teenager yeah awesome and on that note we'll take a quick break and be back with recommendations we had a request to go into shipping so let us talk about fan shipping as it were of uh the character of the characters in these shows so uh nasha i'll let you take uh, take uh take the take the wheel on this one yeah we can keep it really brief and whatever you like and for the audience that's listening i'm sorry i'm talking about shipping culture but i spend a lot of time on tumblr so i'm very well aware of it and i'm also kind of participatory a little bit in it but not too much kind of mm. kind of but you know if you follow enough fan artists they're always drawing pictures of couples that don't exist so um and shipping is when like in in the context Shipping is when you imagine people are a couple, whether or not they're actually a couple in the yep. show mm-hmm. or whether or not they're just are two people that you think would be uh, go good together. But then also like the whole fan culture around shipping is on, I, as I understand it, I don't spend a ton of time on Tumblr, but, um, uh, you know, people, like you said, create lots of art, tell stories mm-hmm. where they actually try to, uh, you know, bring to light their, you know, what they imagine a couple might be yeah like. it's all about imagining what the future of that relationship might be it's also a little bit about speculating what the writers are actually working on because now that we have a lot more oh. engagement with those our um, writers and the actors that play them you'll see a lot more of that kind of uh stuff bubbling up into that because i mean the, who's going to the cons and getting you know paying 60 dollars to get a signature from you know mm-hmm. Ian or whoever you know, actor you know, whatever. It's it's usually the people that are heavily involved within the fandom that are uh, participating in that kind of activity. But it can get a little hairy because a lot of people people get very emotionally like invested invested in it. Okay, and if something doesn't happen or if it's something does happen, because um, a lot of it's around representation too, right? The transformative aspect of it. I mean, people want to see different relationships and different kind of characters and that represent themselves more. Um, I mean, there was a huge foobar when, um, not foobar, you know, a real like big t- Tumblr discourse around the fact that Jughead wasn't asexual in mm-hmm. Riverdale. Like he has a relationship with Betty, right? Uh-huh. So like, and for, so maybe some people were like, you know, but he's always been, he's never been interested in lo- anybody, you know? Yeah. He thinks food. He just loves food. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, anyway. There's there's a lot of, of, of stuff that can come out of that that's a little bit weird. 
Tumblr yeah. discourse wise, it's, it's horrible. But um, yeah, I think shipping has its benefits though too. It's kind of fun. So, who are some of your uh, favorite uh, characters or couples, people to ship in um, in teen dramas? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know. I am really a fan of. Um, I guess what tre- what teen dramas are you into most right now? Oh gosh. Well, I just started watching Riverdale, and I'm about three episodes in. But I do know that I'm going to. I think Jughead's hot. Yeah, <laughs> like totally. That actor is just adorable, and he actually I like him too because he's kind of playing the journalist investigator mm-hmm. type, and that, that's kind of like a film noir thing that I have a penchant for. Okay, you know. Um, yeah, J- Jughead as uh, as um, as teenager as narrator as, as teen as narrator as narrator blogger <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah that was pretty perfect once i figured that out what was going on i was like oh he's writing about all this yeah um skins the the uh so to give you some context most of the actors that came out of skins are actually in stuff mm-hmm. um so you have um the kind of nerdy couple in Skins in the first season, when Nicholas Holt was the main character in that, he became Beast in the new X-Men. He's um, in a lot of other stuff. But... Was a, he was also the uh, the crazy uh, the crazy sidekick character in um, in Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Um, hey, yeah, his best friend on the show, Sam, is kind of uh, this really, really sad character. He's kind of a nerd, and he and Cassie who is the girl that has an eating disorder and is um she plays gilly in game of thrones now oh okay so she's that actress she's really really good um they have this really kind of unique relationship where they're both outcasts and they Mm -hmm. both kind of come together and they they have to like he he's in love with a girl that's out of his league his best friend's girlfriend so anyway long story short that's my one of my favorite couples of all time in teenage drama what about yours let's see oh there are so many one on uh gossip or on okay gossip girl it's definitely chuck and um what's her name blair chuck and blair are freaking awesome i was like i never so chuck on gossip girl at the beginning was the biggest dirtbag ever Mm -hmm. like you just hated him and he's one of those characters they did such a great job with his arc where they painted him just full of nuance so by the time the series was over even though he was like the most deplorable person at the beginning like you're totally rooting for him at the end so i love chuck and blair um uh, in Gilmore Girls, you always have to ask people if they're team. Um, oh yeah, there's a there's a love triangle <laughs> team there. Team Dean, Team Jess, or uh, Team. Oh God, what was the last guy? Logan. Um, I'm the vast minority of people who's Team Dean. Yeah. Um, because I always like the boyfriends who are simple and less complex. And yeah. Dean was pretty straightforward. Vampire Diaries. Um, I can't stand Damon as a boyfriend. He's a terrible boyfriend for Elena, and I was so bummed. I can't when... stand him as a person. Yeah, like, he just like when she was together with Stefan. Like Stefan was just like I don't know. He just they kept making him do like worse and worse, like unrealistic stuff. Well, like... and Elena was her own person. Yeah, like Elena when she was with Stefan was her own person, and then she wasn't she... being stalked and like right. told what to do. And then she just became Damon's girlfriend. Yeah, and it was just like I didn't I didn't like that transformation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Vampire Diaries is weird for me because I just like Caroline and Body, and I think that they got both got like stepped on by the writers at yeah. every single point. I really like Caroline and Bonnie, um, and I at the beginning I didn't really like Bonnie. I didn't I didn't like her character very much. My my son and I who watched it together 
yeah, we would just be like, oh, it's a Bonnie scene. Yeah. Uh. But then she got she got more agency. Like mm-hmm. she became more in control and she had her own story. And I really liked it when she got together with uh, what's his name? Enzo. Enzo. Um, yeah. I, I like their whole their whole romance. Let's see. Oh, how about 90210? Who's everybody's favorite characters in a uh, couple in 90210? Are you uh, uh, who do you like with Dylan? Best? The blonde Brenda or, or Kelly? Kelly? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, being born a blonde, I feel like I have yeah. to root for my side. But no, I mean, I, I never actually watched it. So. <laughs> Donna and David were actually the best couple. That was the Tori Spelling character. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Did they have an actual relationship? or? Um, uh, he, you mean like in real life? No, no, no. I'm in oh, the show. Like, yes, it no, seem like show. A... no they, they have a very special episode, I think, where somebody loses their virginity. I can't remember which one of them. Or maybe they lose it together. But they're definitely like, because Donna was a virgin um, for oh, God, a really I think super I'm, long time. I'm flashing. Oh, God, I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah. It was like, like 1982 a... or something. Oh, like. yeah. Yeah. And her oh. boyfriend. But they were together for a really long. They might have even been together for the run of the show. Yeah. For most of the run of the show. The that's, couple in there's... the background that stakes through, through everything. Yeah. 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 And like in Charmed, um, like, uh, um Piper and um her boy her husband they they get married there's usually yeah you're Doesn't right he, didn't he end up like dying don't they always die everybody always dies a few times yeah i mean that's just natural <laughs> don't they yeah don't it they? would be know. a soap opera if somebody wasn't dead and then came back from the dead yeah i mean there's a, there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of good couples out there yeah I, yeah and i didn't mean to bring it up as a topic i just think it's kind of interesting because i feel like that seems to like become like the main conversation and in in, in tumblr fandom at least which is kind of ridiculous because there's so many more aspects to the show yeah but i know i do know people talk about it. they have very strong feelings it's, but like with gilmore girls that was always a big deal like yeah. the, you know people like mostly it was fighting over wh- whether jess or logan was better mm-hmm. or was, it, was that his name logan? i think that's what his name is logan and then when they brought back the revival like that aspect of it is um sort of in in some ways it's resolved but not really i don't want to give that one away because that's kind of a big spoiler but the best part about the gilmore girls revival is that dean turns out to be the best dude of all of them and she never married him like the girl the guy that she treated like dirt he turns out to be the best and the most handsome because he's played by what's his nose yeah, the I think that's supernatural. That, that is actually a pretty good a good rounding like, arc for that, right? Yeah, it was like the it's like the very end of the last episode. You're like, when are we gonna see what happened to Dean? When are we gonna see? And you see what happened to Dean, and you're like, that is awesome. Yeah, because <laughs> he's just like a great guy. The closure he's is just good. A straight up, we were great proven dude. right. Yeah, runs into him in the grocery store. He turns out he's happily married. He has three kids. He's super handsome, and she's just like Rory's life has gone completely off the what rails. Did I leave you're like, behind? ha. Yeah. That's what you get for leaving Dean. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. A little bit of punishment. Um, yeah, I I think that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lost my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, do you have any favorite couples yeah. oh, on teen drama? Yes, Jeremy, do you have a favorite couple of a teen drama? No. Okay. <laughs> Nope. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I was like, this thing is like my, my TV watching is so cur- curtailed by unless I can like I can, you know torrent a you know shotgun a season on a second monitor while i am um you know while i am you know like i don't know like playing persona or something on like on the primary on the primary screen um i used to be able to multitask like that i can't i find i can't do that anymore and it it makes me super sad i used to be able to like do multiple things while i was watching tv but like i don't know if it's tv's gotten that much more complex or my brain it's gotten more complex i can't watch it (laughs) like that either it's definitely it definitely does that but i think it's also whether how much 
how much you attention you have to play you have to pay visually or versus yeah. auditory yeah if it's audit if it's just auditory because i mean i have hell i i listen to you know i have earbuds in my head 12 hours a day yeah if it's auditory then that's fun then that's how i, I tend to do it because i remember try, trying to uh you know trying to like watch uh an episode of of touch of cloth which was charlie brooker's um, Charlie Brooker's kind of like a piss take of a of a tortured detective, you know, uh, like a, a, he's a he's a police detective, but he's got his own demons. But in the mm-hmm. style of Zucker Abram Zucker, so it's like an airplane film. But oh that, my I mean, god! Which means that there are so many visual jokes you have <laughs> to pay attention. Oh, yeah. You have to pay attention at all times. Oh, yeah. And if you have like you know, if you're trying to like shit, I'm trying to play Wolfenstein on this other right. monitor. I can't do this. Um, I can't be looking at your sight gags. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> But it's yeah. I mean, it's like, the thing is, I barely watch. What I think, what TV have we watched? Um, God, I can't. A few, like a handful of Netflix series, I've guessed. Because most most of the times, like I, I don't spend much time. Uh, you know, consume my media is more like you know, film and comics and uh, in nonfiction and uh, and video games. So it's. I'm a sucker a, for a good love story. Right. <laughs> Same. Absolutely. Especially if they can pull it off on TV, which is really hard. It mm-hmm. feels like. Right, yeah. Or at least, uh, the, the, given all of the modern constraints of what uh, what a what episodic t- uh, an episodic series has to be nowadays. Yeah. But, uh, do we want to uh, transition to uh, endorsements or recommendations or? That works for sure. Me. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's well, been fun to do this as long as we have. Yeah. yeah. Say, we got this like, we got like, whole so, so the episode is fraught with endorsements. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got like two. Yeah, I would say we got a, we got at least two hours of two hours of tape down. Not to mention everything else. I want my check. Today. ABC or CW or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no kidding. Yeah. So, yeah they should be paying us for yeah, this. We're we're yeah, we're 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 think fluencers. Uh, where's uh, where's our where's our cut? Um, we have to put it on a blog. Yeah, we or we need a we need a, a oh, YouTube channel. I was thinking about there's probably for Gilmore Girls. I bet you about I bet you unlimited amount of money that on Tumblr there's some ten thousand word essay on why one guy is better than her. her oh than yeah. The other. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that some somebody's <laughs> put a lot of thought. There's into probably that. multiple. Yeah. yeah. Many 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 of those. It's whatever. Yeah. It's whatever the uh, whatever the rule thirty four for shipping is. So it's, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> there is a rule thirty four for discourse, just as there is for porn. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's called Godwin's law. But, uh, <laughs> All right. Recommendations. Uh, is there any particular thing um, you want to uh, recommend or endorse or uh, suggest other people need to check out? I found a couple of awesome new podcasts in the last couple of weeks. Um, one of them is called I was I think it's called I was there, too. Yes. Matt Gorley's show. OK. Have you heard of that one? So oh, it's yes. about they talk to people who like were present during like the filming of something and they kind of tell their stories. Oh, cool. So one I listened to was a guy who was, um, among other things, he was on rebel without a cause. Oh, wow. And so it's like the, the, you know, his stories about what happened on set. So he's got stories about James Dean Mm. and about all those other guys, but it's from his perspective. And sometimes they'll talk about like an editor for a thing or somebody who just worked on set. They're really fascinating, like backstories. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if they're the ones all I've listened to are all Hollywood. I don't know if they're all movies or not. Do you know, Jeremy? The vast majority of them are because I think, I think the series started. Yeah. Yeah. The series started just because Matt Gorley, he was also, he's, he's a member of, of Super Ego, the, uh, the 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 sketch comedy group, uh, he shows up on a lot of 
a, a lot of like uh, comedy bang bang ear yeah. slash earwolf mm-hmm. podcast. He does a really good job. Mm-hmm. He does a really good job. And then the other one that I'm listening to is called "What Trump Can Teach Us About Constitutional Law." Oh yeah. Have you heard of that one? That's, that's by a, that's a uh, Roman Mars. Yeah, Roman Mars, who does 99% Invisible, is uh, started I this podcast Mars. because yes, <laughs> because he's so stressed out by the Trump presidency that this is his way of like trying to give back. And so he talks to a friend of his who's a constitutional law professor, and they go through his tweets, and um, she explains like uh, what jurisdiction he actually has over the things that Trump says that he can do. And she's like, well, it depends. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's really good. Cool. I like it. Oh, is, oh, is it my yeah. turn? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, well, let's. I'm. I'm kind of gonna be boring this week. Um, musical recommendation. Uh, Chastity Belt. West favorites from Walla Walla, but was out of Seattle. But Port- I think they recorded their last album in Portland. Um, just had their um, album. I used to spend so much time alone. Come out and their four piece, all female, very um, sort of almost out of the grunge kind of Slater Kenny kind of Northwest kind of girl, but not. It's very very um, kind of dark and funny mm-hmm. uh, music. I like it a lot. Um, and, and very chill so you can just put it on the background and you know then you find out this, the song's called Cool Slut and it's like yeah that's a neat song uh, but yeah I, I recommend their new album it's very it's a lot darker than their previous work but it's also good um, and then I finally finished all of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 reboot um, on Netflix I still need to do that and, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that's good so um, one of the episodes called the it's called the Christmas that almost wasn't. Uh, and have you seen that? Or heard no, of it? Not, I've, I've only heard of it. It's also it's a. Uh... It's that is a lesson in psychological torture. That is like the episode of Mystery Science Theater three thousand where I almost like burned the TV down because it was so bad, and I was like, why am I even participating in it? But the guys on that show, Jonah, um, they've got Pat and Oswald, they've got um, Felicia Day, they've got they got cameos from some of the most amazing people i won't spoil it for you but there's a couple cameos that are really cute uh, so do they talk about it while they're watching these old movies yeah have you ever Is watched that... the original MSD? no okay? okay so to give you some context it was a show that came out um it was it used to be a local show in like minnesota and then it went syndicated and like it was on fox when i was growing up i was like 11 or 12 when it was being played out like midnight mm-hmm. and it's just a full movie of it's not just a full movie of they cut down some parts, but they take a bad movie and then they've also kind of um, sandwich it in between these little gags with puppets. Okay. Ske- and the puppets are the ones yeah. that are doing part of the commentary, but they're really just comedians yeah. behind it. Marty, don't argue with me. Get your ass up here, damn it. He's trying to return a pizza. Well, something is going on. It's supposed to be hot, sir. All right. This morning, some snot-nosed reporters started asking about Maybrook and the clearance of the land, and I don't like it. You know your phone has Denethan plugged in. Well, it could mean a lot. Way to win her back, Duke Yellington. I want you to get on that plane with the file and be up here by tomorrow night. God, it's hard to come down from that guy. And don't give me that I don't approve look. No. I I don't approve or disapprove. David, you like weather. You just... Happen. You like school in summertime. I came to collect that lunch. Oh my god, lunch. I forgot. That was two months ago. You must be starving. 
and they have a whole right their writing group is like 20 people in a room watching a bad movie and all just saying stupid shit and writing right. it down and then they recreate that to okay do that. um but they did a they had a lot of talent like um joel the guy that did the their first the first iterations of it like i saw him at dragon con and he mm-hmm. was talking about the show and about how he was like really into ventriloquist dummies when he was a kid like he wanted to be a ventriloquist <laughs> mm-hmm. she's did. holding up her hands pretending to do ventriloquism <laughs> she threw her voice he had a powerpoint at his presentation where he was had these pictures of creepy like ventriloquist dummies anyway but he he made all the robots from hand and they have taken on the life of their own their characters and they have their own personalities and though they're played by different people now um because like bill corbett was one of them and then what well, the other guy um bill Cor- trace bolu trace bill bolu, corbett and kevin Cor- murphy and kevin murphy yep and also Jay Elvis Weinstein, who was the very first Tom Servo that I got to meet when he uh, he and uh, Trace Bolo and uh, Frank Conniff, who were original, original cast members, came to Portland along with Dana Gould to do a live riff on Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, nice. Yeah, they, they did riff tracks between, like, right? Like, a couple of those dudes did. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were playing them. But I, f- I really find MST3K, and if, if you kind of play into the sensibilities of it, like the puppets and the and the little models that they make, it, it really, that that is the magic for me. And then they have, of course, just the most hilarious jokes that make only make sense if you watch it, obviously. So I will not go into those. But uh, it was really worth it. The, uh, the I think my favorite was probably the one that made me laugh the most was the Avalanche movie um, oh yeah thing oh god co-starring rock hudson and mia farrow yep <gasps> yeah that sounds great it's it is it's it's beautiful i've got enough cheekbones for every one of us it's terrific to see you even in that color palette the two of you together and i'm not forgetting you danny from the last movie hello dear how are you mcdade mother you and mcdade have a full schedule there's an awful lot to see around here can't we sit together a while and have a drink and talk I would like to have some time with Caroline. He plays my son, but we're the same age. Come on, McDade. You loser. Thanks for the tour. How could this scene get any more awkward? Belching? Hi. You're looking so good. You got that emaciated look, and you know how opposites attract. Some weird. It's got you got. Some, it's some weird mid seventies like disaster the, film, but the, it's like the C grade disaster film. Yeah. Very C grade. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. That's great. Yeah, that's a good because everyone's always talking about Mystery Science Theater, but I've never really known exactly what it was. So thank you for the explanation. Yeah, Mystery Science Theater is one of those one of my foundational of the many bits of culture that fed into me being me. <laughs> Um, that's one of them. That's same. one of your building blocks. MS, MST3K, along with, because it's kind of like, there's always, like, for the, you know, up until, I don't know what, undergrad, there was a thing, cer- certain things on certain stages kind of like fed into me being, you know, it's like, starts off with like, you know, Weird Al, and then gets into, say, um, you it's know, like a- X-Men comics and The Simpsons. But then once I, once I discovered MST3K, that was like, that was the godhead mm-hmm. of the most, um, like, smart assed but hyper literate, like anti authoritarian, um, uh, just shows. And the thing was, it was always on Comedy Central forever, which I did not have access to until I moved to Ann Arbor. And uh, I remember in like 1994, when it was still on, the, it was still the original was still in the air on cable. Like, just I would get, I would get, um, cases of v8 blank vhs tapes for christmas because i was taping everything so much i would like tape full you could get two or three episodes of msc gk onto a single vhs tape yeah. and tape trading and whatnot 
I have boxes full of old VHS tapes that are the Simpsons, Seinfeld, Star Trek, Thursday nights. Nice. And, yep. and they're interspersed with um, Bill Clinton for president. Oh, yeah. even better. Different political commercials that are awesome. It's, it's, yeah, and, and looking back now, it is more so than the, the shows that those are on. The commercials are the ones that need to be archived. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and I still, I, I would, t- uh, I, somewhere I still have a tape of like all the tapes that I would do of stuff I recorded off of MTV. Like in like 1991 or 1992, and I was like, I'd kill for those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. That's uh, it for me for recommendations. So. Okay, cool. I have three. First thing was uh, connecting to our topic was the collected uh, Jughead Volume 1 um, done by Chip Sadarsky and oh, Erica yeah. Henderson. This is the one that actually was the one that actually made the fact that like Jughead was effectively asexual, mm-hmm. like canon. Yeah. And it is. Um, it's kind of like it gets it is both it's both like like hilarious but also te- you know there's a bit of a ser- more of a seriousness uh about the characters and at one point it starts going into because it's a comic like it goes in and Jughead reads a lot of comics it goes into his own like kind of like weird fever dreams of like him injecting himself into various like like Jughead in a in a pirate scenario like, I don't know, <laughs> And like I said, it's Chip Sadarsky, who's like one of the best writers out there. Yeah, he's a great comics writer right now. Yeah, um, like working on a lot of like a, some of the best series, and he's he's hilarious. And Erica Henderson, her art complements him well. Second book is is just it is in uh, published in June of 2017 this year, put out by Zero Books, which is actually a local imprint. Um, but the uh, author's name is Angela Nagel. The book is called Kill All Normies. It is. Her take on kind of tracking the evolution of like how the how what is now called like the alt right or the anime Nazis how they kind of beca- they started as a bunch of like I don't know uh, transgressive like kids on like 4chan or something but how they kind of the, the, the weird like kind of like shit posting nihilism mm-hmm. eventually somehow be- through the uh, through time and you know uh, getting you know getting attacked by a lot of the worst aspects of uh politics on Tumblr kind of like went reactionary uh-huh hmm. and how that kind of formed into and that met up with a bunch of like like a lot of like red pill men's rights activists and mm-hmm. pickup artist types hmm. and like this and you know then gamergate happened the and that cats. yeah and then Gamergate happened, and it's kind of like it's her evolution, you know, discussing this stuff, but also deconstructing these various online cultures because the, the problem is that, especially this really showed up in the last election. Um, you had a lot of you had a lot of very uh, a lot of like online communities doing like online shit that was really like affecting the real world. But all of the journalists who were covering this again because of um, we're all like you know we're all like upper middle class professionals from the Northeast had no idea what the hell any of this stuff was or they how it worked. They couldn't deal with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, they, and to the point where they even still can't. Where they, there's no there is no knowledge. You know, they didn't grow up online. There's they had they had no exposure to like Tumblr or message board culture, and so that even now. Now, like they they have no idea how you know how to even evaluate evaluate a movement as a threat or as an annoyance or whatever. Yeah, her book goes goes into that, and it also goes into some of the aspects about one of the th- because I think she's also written about a lot about how due to uh, due to like um, and this connects to a lot, this it's it's almost a follow up book to Mark Fisher's exiting the Vampire Castle mm. and all of his other book called Capitalist Realism, which gets into the how the, like the worst aspects of how online culture seeps away from like political organizing 
it, and, how it becomes how it loses its ideology and becomes a system of 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 calling out people for things and, right. and trying you know to correct versus actually present any kind of form of um something better uh, yeah anything better and so like uh, that's yeah uh, angela nagel's kill on armies which connects up to my other recommendation that oops this came out earlier done by phoebe maltz bovey last name b-o-v-y called the perils of privilege privilege in quotes which is or why injustice can't be solved by accusing others of advantage put out by saint martin's press it's it was published in um published in march of this year as she said in interviews like had uh, had she finished her book like after the the election last year, it would be a very very different book. Yeah, like she com- kind of completed it. She was completing the edits, I think, the, you know, in like July of last year. Whereas like a lot of the stuff that she was writing about was like coming to the fore. But it gets into like um, privilege and call out culture, or the the massive weapon that is the the accusation of cultural appropriation mm-hmm. this is it, but how you have in, useful ideas or at least ideas that can lead to better circumstances but due to how online culture is uh are wheel or like the most absolute you know the wheel in the most damaging and self-defeating ways yeah i love that they have a chapter called your problematic fave because that just kind of summarizes tumblr in a nutshell Whereas, yeah, we're, uh, and it gets into why just, fo- you know, the not only just pe- talking, you know, like, you know, having people check their privilege becomes a becomes like almost like, like a, this weird, like purity motive mm-hmm. where nothing is actually changed. It's only you just uh, it actually and it reaffirms people's status and like centers them as like everything else must be must revolve around it's what they do. Virtue signaling is what they call it. It's basically saying that I am more woke than you and I'm going to correct you so that you can be one, you know, as good as I am. And which becomes, you know, sort of a almost quasi religious belief system versus actually having any kind of intellectual or a factual basis and, and well at least in terms it does have some good basis it just means they're twisted into a, a kind of you don't actually have you're, you're not getting anything accomplished you're right. not actively trying to help the other person you know you, you get into this system where you're just trying to berate other people for their ideas right it is there's there's no aspect to um i think doug lane the publisher has written about this kind of stuff the publisher of zero books writes about it as um Trying to trying to trying to trying to achieve social justice only on an exercise bicycle. <laughs> huh. That sounds interesting. I'm not quite sure I agree with the premise, so I have to read it. It yeah. is, it, yeah. It's but it's kind of a thing of like the the but but it's almost a thing of like separate from the concepts that it talks about. It is it gets into the absolute the the worst ways that they are. It because you know it's useful concept as cudgel. Rather yeah. than where at some point where the the way that these what would otherwise be extremely informative ideas, yeah, are the the worst aspects of them are focus are because the um you know at some point it becomes like you know they become they're, they're thrilling it's you there's a sense of righteousness there mm-hmm. of like you you're able you know hey you're proven right because and it's but the problem is, is that nothing mature, nothing is changed. It just becomes about it, um, it becomes about winning arguments online mm. rather than say yeah. trying to say reorganize to restructure society so that um, so that you know you know to actually help people. So instead instead of um, 
I, you know, I like how you put it where you said um, it's not about bringing arguments online. Yeah. So like, I mean, I was in a situation yesterday where someone made and just oh, like over the top uh, a privileged comment yeah. about something. And I was just like, how do I even respond to this? Yeah. Because like the, he should know that what he just said, like, is like I wanted to I didn't say anything about it because I was like, what? What but you can I do? To. But I super yeah. wanted to. But what I ended up doing was investigating my own, you know, trying to learn a bit more about myself. Like, why did that bother me so much? What is it about what was said? Do I want to call out? And what can I help? How can I help that thing rather than just like, because I didn't want to do it because it was online. Reflexive. And I didn't want to yeah. say anything because I was like, I don't want to just start a whole shitstorm here. So I, just, I, I ended up just like reflecting on what it was that he said and like how in the future in my dealings I can try to get this a- across to him that like what he had said was yeah right um, a result of layers of privilege right but and, and but it gets into the that there are way there are better and worse it's kind of it's the same way of that persuas- persuasion is a necessary thing that gets law lo- has gotten mm-hmm. lost mm-hmm. to it um. Where how you um, well, if, even if like, even if people saying like I said just ostentatious like clueless things the way you know at some point it is it's it, how do you coach them to be and like mm-hmm. the idea of coaching goes to be better do you you know is it open is it public open ber- you know right. open berating them which reinforces personal righteousness and feels really really good to beat down but it, but it, you know not only does you make them feel like shit you also generate resentment. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like nothing comes of it. Nothing, you know, nothing has changed at some point. Even the, you know, they're they're commenting about some some horrible thing. But even the just hyper focusing on the most superficial of like of privilege awareness. Yeah. At some point can 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 can, can calcify into only to only focusing to one point into nothing but navel gazing. Right. Yeah. But then there's all these, you know, all these uh, people of color who've been waiting, waiting for us to speak up on their behalf because for so long they've been doing it themselves. They're the only ones who've been pointing out privilege, you know, and they're just like, join us, like help us point this out to your peers. Your peers listen to you. Yeah. Nobody's listening to us. They think I'm just like, you know, the example of like the angry white woman, like, you yeah. know, help me out because I've been, you know, I'm tired of this fight. They're all their lives. They're the ones who've been expected to point all of this stuff out. So it's an interesting um, push and pull between like, when do we, you know, step in and point things out, or are we just doing it to so we can say that we were right? Right. Yeah. Somebody, like I said, it's taking ideas that, like I said, that could be valid ideas or concepts, but using, but on, but on, but on, um, in a in a culture that weaponizes them, that uses their only culture is just to beat the shit out of each other and to kind of. And um, further polarizing people from meeting mm-hmm. anyone because yeah. there's a lot of ego defense that's wrapped yeah. into that. We've saw that with our last election and sort of the whole the fact that the uh, alt right kind of took over those identity politics, but made them for white people, which, you know, was ridiculous, mm-hmm. absolutely fucking dumb. But the um, basis for their argumentation came from they were able to do it because from of this. liberal yeah. um, identity politics, mm-hmm. uh, politics, um, you know. Right. And it's, and it's almost a thing because of the um 
It's like the the language of criticism online is God. This is a whole other podcast. Yeah, sorry, we got really into <laughs> no, we really did. And, well, anyway, we just gotta go watch to, some but, teen dramas. Yeah, oh, yeah. But suffice it to say, yeah, the, uh, th- my three books: Jughead, uh, the collected comic put out last year. Um, Angela Nagel's, uh, who actually she actually writes about the kind of the same thing of like how a lot of. Um, a lot of how a lot of like you know progressive or lefty or liberal folk do their politics online ultimately see is is far more you know is far more atomizing it's kind of like it separates people it's kind of like it's yeah. it it's you know we don't have the community organization and and, and yeah. it, it's become like all this like are you leftist enough or you you know when are yeah. you woke enough or it, whatever it, yeah it it exacerbates difference rather than trying to realizing that you know c- you know then collective action and solidarity are, are far more actual like far more effective things but that's another thing. And then the last book is, yeah, Phoebe Maltz-Bovey's uh, The Perils of Privilege, put up by St. Martin's. It's good. Uh, I have the only copy of that the library has, so uh, good luck finding it. <laughs> definitely, uh, de- definitely, uh, definitely recommend those. Yeah, you already went, didn't you? I yeah, did. You did, yeah. You did podcast and you... <laughs> All right. Uh, and uh, I guess, okay, so um, where can folks find you online? Should you give out the information or anything else that you are working on that you want to promote? You can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. Be prepared for a barrage of Portland Trailblazers related information. It wasn't too barragey. Maybe I just follow enough people, but <laughs> you probably have it mixed up with everything else. But um, yeah, and I also uh, write and do podcasts for BlazersEdge.com, which is um, about the Portland Trailblazers, and I talk a lot about basketball. Um, <laughs> sorry, Rip City, Rip City, yeah. Uh, I am Ashes for Foxes on Twitter and Tumblr, and you can find me there. And I'm also, uh, my my fun blog is cyborgharpy.tumblr.com. I recommend that one better than the, uh, the, the, the serious one. And as always, we are at, um, let's see, just giving the mic, M-I-C, on... Giving the mic at Gmail, giving the mic on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash giving the mic... And there's even at some point I mean I'm trying to put these episodes up on YouTube too because why not? YouTube's um, a big medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that. All right, and uh, well, thank you, guys, thank everyone here for helping me out and spending a uh, a, uh, a, a heat wave Sunday in an unconditioned basement apartment in Portland, Oregon. I want to thank you all for listening. Hopefully these will be out. Uh, these episodes will be out sometime soon, but we'll find out. And for uh, lack of anything else, do um, you have anything, you, uh, last things you want to say? Stay sexy, don't get murdered. Ooh, that's good advice. <laughs> Rip City, baby. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Editing services provided by Entertainment Unlimited. Visit us at euavp.com. She's dead. Wrapped in plastic.